Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. So here we are at the end of January. We are approaching the great feast of the Super Bowl. Well, that's how America celebrates uh, the Super Bowl here coming up. And people are thinking about football. And I wanted to bring on someone who's become a friend that I've gotten to know who has played in the NFL. His name is Joe Wrights. He was an offensive tackle for the Baltimore Ravens from 2008 to 2010. Then he played with the Indianapolis Colts 2010 to 2017. He was blessed to play with greats like Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. He uh, was uh, in a famous game in 2014, if you remember the famous deflate uh, controversy with Tom Brady. And uh, and and he was he was in that game when uh, just one step away from the Super Bowl. Uh, so but that's not why he's on. He's on because he's a great Catholic man. I've gotten to meet, meet his wife, at least virtually. We've done some sessions together. Uh, my wife, Beth, and, uh, and I did a, a marriage session for their parish outside of Indianapolis on the north side there. And I got to meet them. So he's married to Jill, who's a convert to the faith. They have six children from ages nine to a brand new baby just born right before Christmas. So let's welcome Joe Wrights to the show. Joe, thanks for being with us. Yeah, Dr. Shree, thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of the, the podcast and, and listen and get excited every Tuesday when it comes out. So, you know, you mentioned it's Super Week, right? And the in the secular, you know, world, Super Bowl Sunday is somewhat of a religious holiday for a lot of people. But, you know, obviously it excites me and, you know, me and the kids will be watching the game. We will not be watching the commercials because sometimes those are not appropriate for or the halftime show, for that matter. Definitely but, uh, not the halftime show. Definitely not. <laughs> but but the kids are excited. And, you know, you, you mentioned I was one game away from the Super Bowl twice. My rookie year when I was with the Ravens, we lost to the Steelers in the AFC championship game. And then in 2014, a game I was blessed to start. We went up to New England and we lost to the Patriots, but that was the game that they deflated the football. So if the Patriots weren't cheating, you know, maybe I would have played in the Super Bowl and had a, a Super Bowl <laughs> ring next to my wedding ring, but neither here nor there. I was uh, very blessed to play nine years in the NFL. And, um, you know, it was just a great, wonderful experience um, that just brought me uh, so many lasting memories. And, uh, you know, I think through that really helped me increase my faith too. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, it's one thing to be a step away from the championship in football, uh, but as St. Paul says, we're running a, a greater race, right? <laughs> uh, and the real championship is to get the crown of glory of being with Jesus forever in heaven. And and your faith has really grown. Uh, you, you've told me about how you didn't come into the NFL as a fervent Catholic. You were Catholic, um, but I'd love to hear your story a little bit more. Like, how, how is it that your faith really came alive for you? You know, it, it really is, um, you know, two things. Um, I think, you know, my wife, Jill, uh, number one, and then, um, you know, Exodus 90, the program, if people have heard about that 90-day spiritual exercise that I did four years ago and did again last year. But, you know, to back up, I grew up in central Indiana, grew up a big Colts fan. So it was awesome that I got to end up uh, playing for them, but went to college to Western Michigan, met my wife, Jill there. She's from Northwest Indiana. Highland, which is real close to, I know, your hometown. Yeah, next door to where I was born, yeah. So we met in college, and, and we met and instantly had a connection, and both were, were passionate about our faith. She was a non-denominational Christian. I was Catholic. And early on, it's like, hey, we really like each other. We think we might love each other. But she's like, I'll never become Catholic. And I will say she had some misconceptions about, you know, the Catholic faith. Like a lot of times, you know, why do you pray to Mary? You know, why do you pray to these old dead saints? You know, those kind of things. But we met. We got married, 
Um, we had our first daughter, Juliana, and then we had the question about infant baptism. Do we get her baptized? Do we not? We were both kind of going to different churches together. And I said, look, why don't we just get her baptized, have the sacrament, receive the grace. If we end up going to a different non-denominational church down the road, you know, we always could do something different later. So I think after she got her baptized, she felt a tug in her heart from the Holy Spirit to go to RCIA. And she did that. Oh. And she um, she originally was going to go through RCIA to kind of find out why to prove the Catholic faith wasn't the true faith. And we're like, ha ha, gotcha there. Right. But she came into the church in 2012. Um, and it's so cool to see, you know, her from having pauses about the blessed mother to having such a strong devotion. You know, I know she's read your book, praying the rosary like never before. And I mean, she's praying one, if not more Hail Marys every day. And now doing that with our children, which is so beautiful. But so Jill really had the fire. You know, she was on fire for the Holy Spirit when we met. I would say I was deeply convicted in our Catholic faith, but I didn't have the fire of the Holy Spirit burning inside me. And so through her, through our marriage, through her kind of reactivating that fire within me. And then I think doing Exodus 90, like I said, four years ago, that really convicted me in a good way. You know, I, I didn't want to do Exodus 90. Um, and if those of you... Uh, Actually, yeah, tell everyone, what is Exodus 90 for in case there's some people that aren't familiar with that, that wonderful for, program? For sure. And I would say, um, you know, go www.exodus90.com. It, it's a great resource, but it's a three-pillar program based on spirituality, asceticism, and brotherhood. And so the asceticism, it's it's hardcore, you know, early Christians would do these type of things, you know, fast on Wednesday and Friday, don't eat between meals, cold showers, no TV, um, no social media, which can be really hard. But all these things that we think are so important, it, you disconnect from them and you fill them with God. And it, it, you're challenged to do, have an hour of prayer every day, an hour of silent prayer, which at first I'm like, that's impossible. I'm too busy. I don't have time in that day. But guess what? You delete Twitter, you delete Facebook, you're not watching a college basketball game for two hours on TV. You're not watching Netflix. You have a lot of time in your day. And I think it reprioritized Jesus as the most important thing in my life. And I think for a long time, I said my priorities were faith, family, and football and having those in that order. But oftentimes when I was playing the NFL, I might be doing football for 12 hours a day and spending five minutes of prayer a day. That's not giving God your first fruits, right? That's not giving God what he deserves. And I think, you know, a quote I love is, are you fitting God into your day or are you building your day around God? And that Exodus 90 helps you build your day around God. It's 90 days long. And I think, you know, I mentioned the asceticisms, the spirituality, the brotherhood was so great because imagine there's eight people in a group, you meet once or twice a week and you have accountability partner every day. So Dr. Shree, if you're my accountability partner, you know, and it's three o'clock in the afternoon, I want to eat a donut. I could easily eat one and say, well, it's no big deal. I'll just do a small cheat. But if I have to text you that night and say, hey, I was weak. I'm sorry. You know, I gave in to temptation. I should have offered up a prayer instead. That accountability is really powerful. And the brotherhood of Exodus 90 brought me straight back to the NFL. You know, the NFL, that close knit locker room, I never thought I would find that same accountability, brotherhood, care for another person. But it was that and more doing the Exodus 90 program. Yeah. So let's just, again, to make sure for people who aren't as familiar with it. So you, you get in a group of eight, but it's not like you're meeting in person every day, every week. Uh, certainly during COVID, things are very virtual, right? But you just have a, a group of eight guys. Are these guys that you knew? Were they friends already from your parish or from your team? So, some I knew, some I didn't, but it was all people within the parish that kind of formed a group. And it was, it was just beautiful because you're all walking through it together. And I think the idea of common suffering 
is so, so valuable. Just like in football, when you have two a day practices and it's hot, a hundred degrees out, you're in pads, you're tired, you're beat up, you're sore. You look around and you know, everybody else is going through what you're going through right now. And that builds such a strong bond. No different um, than Exodus 90 when, hey, it's the Super Bowl. We're not watching it, you know, or, you know, some of the guys are going out to, you know, grab a beer. You're not doing that or having a dessert, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, you're choosing to give those things up and do it for your brother. And you really build that uh, fraternal bond, which, uh, again, really, really powerful. Hmm. What, what, did, what did you take away the most from that experience the first time you did it four years ago? I think the thing I took away is that if we want to prioritize Jesus in our life, it's not as hard as we think. But and I think the other thing is how you start your day will generally dictate how your day finishes. And so there's days when I wake up and the first thing I do is I grab my cell phone and you respond to a text or an email. That day instantly is probably not going on the right track. But if you wake up and instantly you drop your knees on the side of your bed and just offer a prayer to God or spend time reading scripture, spend time in silent prayer reflection, that's going to set the tone for your day in a really positive way. And I think we all are very busy. Our society is busy, but we choose to busy ourselves. And I think if everybody's busy, nobody's busy, right? We just prioritize the things that are most important to us. And if you prioritize Jesus as the most important thing in your life, you're going to be able to live you know, a, a full, beautiful Catholic life. And you're going to have the time to do it. You're just going to have to cut out things you think are really important, like watching TV, social media, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. We're visiting with Joe Wrights, a former NFL player for the Baltimore Ravens and uh, the Indianapolis Colts. He's a great Catholic man, a father of six children, married to his wonderful wife, Jill, there in Carmel, Indiana, just north of Indianapolis. And you've been telling me, Joe, that you've, you've done some talks for some different men's groups. And you've been thinking about the connections between football and faith and living as a disciple of Jesus. What, what, are, what are some of the, the, the parallels you, you've discovered? Yeah, great question. And, you know, for those listeners out there, you know, playing in the NFL and being a Catholic Christian are more similar than you think. And, and here's a couple of reasons why. One, the fundamentals, right? The fundamentals of the NFL don't change whether you're playing third grade football or you're playing in the Super Bowl like it's coming up in a few days. What are they? Blocking, tackling, staying low, keeping your hands inside. All those fundamentals don't change. Well, guess what? The Catholic Church, our church, the Christian church for the first 1600 years hasn't changed. The same fundamentals, the same thing the apostles were doing, how they were saying mass, how they were getting together, evangelizing, that hasn't changed in 2,000 years, and it's not going to change. And so the fundamentals of the Catholic Church and the NFL aren't changing, but it's hard. It can be hard sometimes to follow those fundamentals and to be disciplined. You know, I think that's one parallel. Another one is in the NFL, I love we had instant feedback and accountability every day. So we would go out and we would practice. Then we would watch the film and the coaches would tell you all the things you were doing wrong and how you could get better. What does that sound like to me? A daily examination of conscience, right? Every day you're sitting, you're lying in your bed at night and taking, you know, 10 minutes in a full exam. And how did my day go? What, what things went well? Where did I fail? How can I get better? What do I want to improve on for tomorrow? That's something. I think accountability. The NFL has a high amount of accountability. And I believe accountability is a friend of success. Well, guess what? There's a lot of count accountability within our faith, right? Ten commandments, just rules. And you just go to the greatest command, you know, love the Lord with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, love your neighbor as yourself. If we just um, operated with those two measures of accountability, 
and measured ourselves every day, you know, we would be a lot better Catholic Christians and the world would be a lot better place. And then I think the last one is, you know, we always talked about in football, did you play winning football? So let me explain what that means. Nobody's ever played a perfect game, but the coaches would challenge us to play winning football, as in, did I make enough plays to help our team win the game? And if all 11 guys on offense or all 53 guys on the roster did that, we would win the game as a team. And every day in life, we have the chance to be a winning teammate for Christ. Do enough good things, enough things that God wants us to do to help the others around us get to heaven. We're all sinners. Nobody's perfect. You're not going to have a perfect day. But if in all your interactions with your spouse, your children, people at work, people at school, people you like, people you don't like, if all those interactions are trying to have the singular goal of helping others get to heaven, you're going to be a winning teammate for Christ. And I think we have the chance to do that every single day. How have you found these insights affecting your family life and your marriage? You know, so it sounds like your faith has been growing throughout your time in the NFL. It particularly took off through your Exodus 90 experience. But by that time, you already had a few kids and you're already into marriage. How have you noticed like this deepening in in conviction and and deepening in, in, in your own faith life really impacting your marriage and family? I think the biggest takeaway would be, um, you know, obviously I love Jill and wanted to do right by her and love her as much as I can. And the same with, you know, my six children. But what's funny is just me wanting to love them on my own reaches a certain ceiling. But as I've grown deeper in my relationship with Christ, I've been able to love my wife more. I've been able to love my kids more. I've had a greater capacity to love. That capacity can only come from really devoting your life to Jesus. And I think the further I've gone in my faith, I've realized the bar that I have, the capacity I have to love my wife, love my children, love my family has grown and grown and grown. And I think it goes back to that discipline too, right? All all the listeners out there who have young kids, you know, it's hard and it's hard to get, you know, six kids down and try to say a decade of the rosary. But guess what? You do it first night really hard. And, you know, I would argue the devil's going to make it harder and try to get you to stop. But you do it day two and three and four, and it becomes part of your normal routine, the fabric of your life. It gets a little bit easier when you're able to do it day after day after day. Again, that's simple to say, easier to put into uh, action. But I think it all goes back just making prayer with your family a priority, making prayer with your spouse a priority. But at the end of the day, you know, and Dr. Shear, I know you believe this too and talk about it. You have to first find time for yourself to pray. And if you're a, a, a husband or a male listening out there, you got to find time for your wife to pray. She's at home most likely with the kids. They're running around. They're crazy. You know, be intentional about, hey, babe, I'm going to come home 30 minutes from work. I'd like you to go to the Adoration Chapel. Or I'm going to come home 30 minutes from work. I'm going to take the kids and we're going to go to the park and the house is going to be quiet so that you have time to pray. Not to do work, not to do more laundry or the dishes because there's always work to be done, but, but, but time to pray. And I think the times in our life, the seasons in our life when Jill and I have been intentionally focused on that are also the seasons that have been most fruitful for us. Oh, amen. Amen to that. And uh, I'm very grateful. I remember very early on in our marriage when we had just a couple kids, there was a friend of mine who was a couple steps ahead in life, had more kids than I did. And 
he talked about that very point, how important it is, you know, as a husband to try to make that time, carve out that time so that your wife can pray. Uh, because she's home, she's with the kids. It's like nonstop, you know, and she mm-hmm. needs, she needs that, you know, to be spiritually tanked up, if you will, you know, so she can give the best of herself, uh, to the children throughout the day. And so I remember, and, and it's looked differently in our marriage, uh, throughout the seasons of life. But I remember early on when we had just two or three kids, I would just get up earlier than I wanted to. <laughs> and uh, I would go to the chapel, pray earlier so that I can come back home. So when Beth w- was about to get up, she had time to pray before all the little ones uh, got, got got up for prayer. Uh, and so I think that th- there's there's different things. So I really appreciate that. How does it look in your family life? How do you, how do you work prayer in? And you know your busy life now, and maybe tell the listeners too, like what you do now, because you, you've you've retired from the NFL in 2017, and you're very active in your parish, but you you've moved on to another career, uh, so you're just you're you're like an you're like one of us, you're just an ordinary dad, uh, but how do you in the midst of career, in the midst of busy life, Catholic life, how do you how do you find that time for prayer in your own life and time for your wife to pray? Yeah, I think one. Um could be a lot better at it. But I think too, just being intentional with how you're going to set up your day. And so now, you know, I'm a financial advisor by trade for my job. You know, my have six young children. My wife and I try to do a lot at Our Lady Mount Carmel and uh, support there. And then the local Catholic high school, Garen Catholic High School here just north of Indianapolis. But, you know, the days that I get up early and spend 30 minutes of quiet time in prayer, again, those are the days that inevitably are the best ones. And so I think you just have to have the discipline to say, okay, if I have to get up at five o'clock to spend 30 minutes, an hour in quiet prayer, I have to get up at five o'clock. Guess what? If you have young children out there, you're probably going to be tired whether you wake up at five or six. So just get up at five and do it. And I think the other thing is time with kids is just setting the standard that we're going to get and say the prayer kind of at the same time every day. We're going to be in that routine that after dinner, maybe they, like our kids usually watch a show, you know, our cartoon before bedtime, but either before or after the cartoon, we're going to say the decade of the rosary. And the more and more we can build that into the fabric of our routine, that the kind of rhythms of life, I think that makes it easier from a practical level. Hmm. Again, I think, you know, pausing the night before and just, you know, setting mentally agenda or a schedule for your day when you're going to fit your prayer time in, because the easiest lie that I tell myself is, well, I'm just going to get up and go because I have so much stuff to do. I'm going to get my prayer in later. You know, I'm going to do it this afternoon or tonight. And when you have young kids, you know, you're so often reactive, not proactive. So you end up not doing it right. And about 10% of those days, do I actually fulfill the amount of time I should spend with Jesus? So I found as a, as a husband, as a father, I have to do it first thing in the morning. I have to do it when everybody else is sleeping because that's the only time definitively I know I'm going to do it. If not, you're, you're kind of playing with fire, whether you're going to get your prayer time in or not. Amen. You know, that, that is so true. And you're, you're really right there at that period. I remember when we had kids, we had six kids, 10 and under, you know, so we're, I, I, you, you just feel like you're drowning. I, I love what you said that you're going to be, if you're raising little kids, you're just going to be tired. It doesn't matter. So just might as well get up earlier. There's always coffee, right? <laughs> so exactly. It's not as if that extra hour is going to really make your life that much better. Spend it with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I drink a lot of coffee and I think, um, you know, probably a little bit too much, but I think again, it all comes back to intentionality. You know, I think even like you go on vacation with your family, guess what? We're gonna go to mass every Sunday, wherever we are, because it's easy to say, hey, we're on vacation, we're in Florida, you know, we're just gonna miss mass this week. But if if mass is a fundamental of the faith, which it is, you don't miss it. You build your vacation around 
you know, taking three hours and going to mass. And like, you know, we did that this year. We went to Disney World for fall break and we went to a beautiful Catholic church. Um, I think it was Mary, Queen of the Universe down in Orlando, Florida. Just a beautiful church. And the kids loved it. You know, I'd argue all the, the sculptures, you know, and everything they had there looking around, they got just as much value out of that as seeing Mickey and Minnie, you know, for an extra couple hours. But just <laughs> building again, you know, are you fitting faith? Are you fitting Jesus into your day or are you building your day around Jesus? And are you building your week around Jesus? And I think that's the biggest thing I've taken from, um, you know, Exodus 90 is being intentional. And again, all the things we think that are so important and, you know, I, I need to do this or I just want to chill out and zone out and watch Netflix for an hour or two hours at night. I've been there and that's real. But guess what? I could zone out and watch Netflix for an hour or I could go to bed earlier. And guess what? When you go to bed earlier, you have more energy, get up early and you have time to pray. And I think one of the biggest fundamental changes in my schedule is, you know, let's say the average American gets seven hours of sleep at night. Most Americans go to bed probably around 11 or 12 and get up around six or seven. But most Americans, if you're like me, those hours from 10 to midnight, you're probably sitting on the couch, drinking a beer, eating Oreos, watching Netflix. But if I go to bed at 10 o'clock, get the same seven hours and get up at five, from five to seven, I'm incredibly productive. You know why? Because the kids are still sleeping. You can pray, you can do work, you can get things done. And I think just going to bed earlier and getting up earlier uh, has been a big game changer for me and our family in a positive way. My wife and I are, are in bed hopefully asleep by 10 o'clock every night, but then we have the energy to get up around five and to, you know, work out, pray or do all those things before the kids wake up and, and life goes crazy. Well, I hear in you, you know, uh, lessons you've learned from NFL, right? You know, that kind of discipline, the intentionality, you know, having the priorities and the sacrifices you make for, you know, the game and for the team, you know, that you're doing that now for your faith life and for your family. So th this is great. And it's been a blessing to to, to hear this and inspiring us to, to live it out in our own families and faith life. Uh, tell me, Joe, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, how, how do they reach you? So I have a, a Twitter, uh, Joe writes 76. I'd say that's probably the best way. Um, yeah. Joe writes 76 on Twitter. Um, I, I don't check my Twitter too often. And actually I, I've, uh, <laughs> I, I, I go back and forth, like obviously during Exodus 90, no social media, but so sometimes I'll like delete it for a week and then get it back. But because again, it's easy to go down those rabbit holes. You pull out your phone and the next thing you know, 20 minutes has gone by and I'm in a bad mood. And I'm like, why is that? Well, it's because I'm on social media reading about a bunch of crazy stuff and, you know, people's crazy reactions. But yeah, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, please reach out. Again, I, I was very blessed to play in the NFL, but I was six, seven, 300 pounds, you know, and outside of being maybe a little bit larger than the average human, I'm a normal guy who has a lot of issues and, and struggles every day to be the husband and father that the good Lord calls me to be. But the great thing is we have the grace of God. Um, and we have his forgiveness. And at the end of the day, we're all on this same team, right? We all want to be winning teammates for Christ. That's trying to get, you know, all of our friends, family, and loved ones to heaven. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from just this deeper journey in my faith. All this stuff I concern myself with every day, work, family, how's my favorite sports team doing? What's going on? You know, election, political stuff. None of that stuff matters. All that matters at the end of the day is did I get to heaven? Did I get my spouse there? Did I get my children there? And that's ultimately our call and our mission from God to be kind of the priestly uh, leaders of our family. 
Amen. Well, thank you, Joe, for being with us. And thank you all for listening to this special edition of All Things Catholic. We've been visiting with Joe Wrights, former NFL player for the Baltimore Ravens and Indianapolis Colts, and most of all, uh, a great Catholic man, husband, father, and now uh, a Catholic speaker, inspiring people uh, to live the Catholic faith deeply. We'll put Joe's contact information in the show notes. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me as well at edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. Thanks for listening and God bless. <laughs>